Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Uh, Like our stage here, I'm sure your home uh, probably only has one. We seem to have a lot, but they probably have a Christmas tree up. By now, I know uh, mine has been up for a little while now, uh, but they're starting to look a lot like Christmas. You know, it's that time of year when the school year is being wrapped up, and we are busy wrapping up presents. Uh, when the Advent calendars are brought out and the social calendars are filled up, it's a time when uh, Christmas cards are being written and are being received. And as we get ready for Christmas, We're getting all planning all those Christmas get-togethers. We're battling to find a park at the shops. And of course, we're inviting people to our gateway carols in a couple of short weeks. But through the eyes of kids, seen through the eyes of kids, Christmas sometimes can seem to be all about presents. For weeks, my kids have been scanning through every piece of junk mail, highlighting the useless things that they would like for Christmas. And now as the gifts begin to appear underneath the Christmas tree, they're beginning to try and figure out which of those circled gifts are going to arrive. You know, the other night I wandered into our lounge room where our Christmas tree is, and there are my two oldest kids, aged seven and nine, just on hands and knees in front of the Christmas tree, just looking, just looking at the presents and anticipating and waiting and not touching, but just looking. And I can't really blame them because I know for me, I was the same as a kid and you probably were as well. I was always up before the crack of dawn on Christmas Day, so excited that I was barely able to sleep and running out to wherever the Christmas tree was just to see what was under the tree and which of the gifts had my name on it. I've got very fond memories of Christmas morning growing up in Melbourne, but one particular year, when I was probably nine or ten years of age, one of the more intriguing gifts that we found under the Christmas tree was a simple white envelope, and it was addressed to the whole family. Now, we we were busy opening all the rest of our presents, and we, we left this gift till the end. And then we all gathered around the envelope and waited as Dad open it up and see what was inside. We were all eagerly awaiting what it was. But the only thing that was written on that white piece of paper was a simple sentence that looked like a clue. And so the great Christmas treasure hunt began. For the next 20 minutes or so, or however long it took, all of the presents and the wrapping paper strewn over the family room were ignored. Our preparations, getting ready for church that morning, were put on hold, and we embarked on this gigantic treasure hunt through our house. The clue that was in that envelope, it it led us to a different part of the house where we found another clue, which led us to another part of the house where we found another clue, and so on and so forth. No, we, uh, we were eagerly anticipating what would be the end of this treasure hunt. Where were these clues taking us? What would we find? Clue after clue led us around the house, but there was no sign of the treasure, just more clues. Eventually, one of the clues led us downstairs to the lower level of the house, and there in the garage 
was the treasure. A brand new four-wheel drive vehicle with a big red bow on the front of it. It was a pretty awesome Christmas treasure. It was one of the most amazing and memorable family Christmas gifts that we had ever received and definitely the most expensive. And that morning as we wrapped up and, and cleaned up the, the mess we'd made in the family room, we finally got dressed for church. We all piled in to the new car to head off to church. But all my practical younger brother wanted to know is how on earth Santa managed to open the garage door and why he bothered to steal the old car that was there. <laughs> I don't know what sort of treasure you want for Christmas this year. Maybe your treasure is a particular gift that you've been looking at for a long time. Maybe your Christmas treasure is a, a bonus that you hope to earn. Or, or maybe it's a holiday that you can escape to. Now, we sacrifice a lot to, in our quest to hunt down these treasures, hoping that they'll bring us the joy that we are looking for. But they never quite seem to be enough. The novelty of the gift fades. Eventually that four-wheel drive got a bunch of scratches and scrapes into it and Dad managed to reverse it into the tree and it wasn't quite as shiny and new anymore. The bonus runs out quickly and the holiday is never long enough. But there is a treasure this Christmas that brings a hope, a peace, and a joy that will never fade. And so this morning we're going to look at a simple story that Jesus told about that treasure. And this, uh, this parable, this story that Jesus told, is one of the shortest parables in the Bible. And I kind of, it's somewhat ironic that over the last four weeks we've been reading physically through chapter by chapter the book of Ruth. And then here today our story is just one verse long. We find this parable in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus was telling his disciples this parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought the field. I'm going to read it again just in case you miss it the first time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought the field. During his time on earth, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom of God. Different gospel writers uh, use different terms to describe this. Uh, some of them use the kingdom of heaven, and others use the kingdom of God, but both mean exactly the same thing. Jesus said things like, the kingdom of God has come near when surrounded by little children, he said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he taught his disciples to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Over the two millennia that, uh, since Jesus walked the earth, there's been much discussion and debate about what Jesus meant when he talked about the kingdom. And there's actually a whole field of study called kingdom theology that looks into this theme. I could suggest a bunch of not-so-light summer reading for you, if you're interested, to dig a little bit deeper. But put very simply, the kingdom of God exists wherever God reigns and rules through his people. Now, the kingdom of God exists wherever God reigns, through, uh, God reigns and rules through his people. Every kingdom needs a king, and the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is made king. 
And there's both a now and a not yet element to this idea of the kingdom of heaven. See, God's kingdom exists today wherever his people submit to his reign and rule. But there's also a time in the future when Christ will return and fully establish his kingdom over all creation for all of eternity, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. But here in our parable this morning, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a treasure found in a field. A man who who doesn't own the field, he stumbles across this thing that is of incredible value. And rather rather than trying to dig it up all in that moment or claiming it right then and there, the man hides it again, then rushes back to sell everything that he owns so that he can buy the field and the treasure hidden within. Jesus uses this parable to speak about the treasure that is the kingdom of heaven. And in it, he challenges us to seek first the kingdom and the king. Now, we're going to draw three truths from this short story this morning. And the first of those is that the kingdom and the king is a treasure that is hidden, yet it is easily found. This treasure is hidden, yet it is easily found. In Jesus' time, banks like we know them today didn't exist. There were money changers and merchants who loaned money to people in need, but the safety deposit box was not a thing. And those early bankers weren't exactly trustworthy either. They charged high rates of interest, there was no regulation, and the the ruling Roman authorities took their unfair share of tax out of everything. And so in Jesus' time, many people felt the easiest and safest way to protect their valuables from destruction and theft was to bury them on their land. It's a little bit like if you, over the last year and a half, with the uncertainty that's been happening in this world, have gone to the bank and just withdrawn a whole stack of money and stuffed it under your mattress. This was actually a really common practice. Historians have found records of, uh, of these, uh, these hidden treasures, and Jesus even refers to the practice of hiding one's uh, treasure Uh, in other parts of the Gospels, in other parables. But people would line up a few landmarks on their property. I can kind of see that tree and see that mountain, and they dig a hole at X marks the spot. They'd put in their valuable items, and then they'd cover it up again so that one day they could come and retrieve it. But sometimes the landowner might forget where they buried the treasure, or they might die before they could pass their secret on to their family or dig it up themselves. And so the man in Jesus' story comes across this treasure. He's not the one who owns the land, and we don't know how he comes across the treasure. Perhaps he's heard about it, and he stumbles across it, or maybe he leased the land from, from, the, from the owners, a farm on it, or maybe he just stumbled across it. We don't know. But what is important is that this treasure, which had been hidden, was found. Jesus actually tells a very similar parable in the next couple of verses. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and brought it. So whether they stumbled across it or whether they actively looked for it, both men were able to find this thing of great value. 
Just like the treasure and the pearl in these stories, the kingdom of heaven is often hidden, yet it is easily found. See, the kingdom of heaven is not always that obvious. Sure, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. But God's kingdom is not always obvious to the natural eye. You can't touch it. You can't physically hold it. You can't see it. It's almost like it's hidden in plain sight. And think about Christmas, for example. If you, were, if you had no idea what Christmas was all about, and you just looked at people's actions and behavior through the month of December, you would begin to think that Christmas is actually all about socializing with others. It was about sharing in big meals together and buying gifts and exchanging cards. But Christmas, we all know, is really about Christ. It's hidden in plain sight. Even the name Christmas has Christ in it. The title is right there. But for so many people today, they don't see it. Christ is hidden in plain sight. And I reckon we need to treasure Jesus this Christmas. It was actually the same in that first Christmas when Jesus was born into the world. People just didn't see it. For 400 years, God's people had been living in darkness. There were no prophets. There'd been no fresh words from God. And invader after invader had ruled over them. Yet God's promise of a deliverer, a savior, a messiah remained. There were all sorts of prophecies about this messiah that he would come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He'd be part of the tribe of Judah. There were prophecies that he would be born in Bethlehem to a virgin who would call him Emmanuel, God with us. And that this Messiah, this saving one, would be an heir to the throne of David and would reign for eternity. There are many, many prophecies about Jesus' death, birth, death, and resurrection in the Old Testament. And if you actually go through, not that I've done this personally, but I've read the books that have shown me how it's happened, but if you go through and read the Old Testament and highlight all of the prophecies, there are over 350 prophecies about Jesus that are fulfilled by him, that are made in the Old Testament. Yet that first Christmas, he was hidden in plain sight. A tiny baby born to two normal people placed in a manger in a stable because there was no room for them in the inn. This tiny baby, this child who grew up and would go on to save the world, there were those who found him. Over the next few weeks, we're going to explore the stories of his family and the shepherds and the wise men who heard about this Christmas treasure, this hidden treasure that is so easily found. And so the kingdom of heaven and its king, it might be hidden, yet they are easily found by the one who seeks them out. Jesus himself said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I want to ask you today, how will you seek Jesus this Christmas? What will you do to keep your focus on Jesus instead of being caught up in the flurry of Christmas activity? Sometimes we find the Christmas story so familiar that we actually can miss treasuring the person of Jesus. I want to encourage you this year to bring Jesus into plain sight 
this Christmas. Seek him because he is easily found. The second truth about the king and the kingdom that we can take from this parable is that the treasure is priceless, yet it comes at great cost. When he, when he finds the hidden treasure on this, in this land, the, the man in Jesus' story doesn't just take home as much as he can. He doesn't just steal what he can and make a run for it. Instead, Jesus tells us that when he found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and brought the field. He recognized the incredible value of the treasure that was hidden in that land. He realized that this treasure was worth more than anything that he could dream or imagine. It was priceless. It was worth so much to him that he went and sold all that he had. He liquidated all of his assets just so that he could go and purchase the land that the treasure was on. And so this priceless treasure came at great cost to this man. The man had to give up everything he had in order to get it. And this is true of the king and the kingdom as well. Knowing Jesus, allowing him to rule in your life, receiving the blessings that come from being in his kingdom, it's priceless, yet it comes at great cost. When asked by a rich young man what he needed to do to inherit eternal life, Jesus eventually replied to him, if you want to be perfect, then go. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. See, following Jesus requires us to surrender to him. Living out God's kingdom means that we have to take ourselves off the throne of our life and surrender to the rule of the king. Now, Jesus is not giving us a blanket statement here that we have to go and sell everything and live in poverty in order to follow him. I don't think that's the point of the parable. And at the end of the day, that wasn't actually the point that Jesus was making to the rich young man. Rather, Jesus was challenging us about what we treasure most in our heart and suggesting that if we're to make him king in our lives, we must treasure him more than anything else. See, that rich young man, he treasured his wealth, his possessions more than knowing Jesus. The Apostle Paul gives us a really good example to live by here. In his letter to the church at Philippi, Paul admitted that he was a pretty big thing. He had more reasons to boast than anyone else. His life resume was really impressive. He was a true Israelite, a Hebrew to his core. He lived a spotless life, trying to uphold the Jewish law to perfection, keeping up with the exacting religious standards of the day. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, a model religious citizen amongst the Jewish people. And he took great pride in his background, his family, his training, his education, his moral, his pursuit of moral perfection. Yet when he encountered Jesus, he gave all of that up. Listen to what Paul says. He says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And that word garbage is translated elsewhere as rubbish, even dung. 
I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. For Paul, Jesus is worth giving everything up for. Everything else pales into insignificance in the light of knowing Jesus as Lord. See, Jesus is a priceless gift and it's worth letting go of everything to, to know him, to come to trust and know him. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you need to give up in order to gain what Jesus offers? Are there things in your life that you currently treasure more than Jesus? Deep in your heart, is there a part of your life that takes precedence over him? Maybe this December you actually need to give up some negative habits. Perhaps you need to let go of the things that distract you and from knowing Jesus more. Maybe you need to change how you respond when you are challenged. What will you give up to gain the priceless treasure that Jesus offers you? The final truth from this parable is that the treasure brought great joy to the man who found it. Jesus says when the man found it, he hid this treasure again and then in his joy went and sold all he had to buy the field. In this parable, Jesus tells us the man joyfully sold all that he had to buy the field. It wasn't a sad choice. It wasn't a decision made of compulsion. But the man willingly and joyfully surrendered all that he had to take hold of the treasure that was offered. People all around the world are searching in a lot of different places, trying to find happiness and satisfaction. And at Christmas time, even with all the socializing and the holidays and the beach time and the presents, joy can be somewhat elusive. That's because true joy and eternal satisfaction is only found in a relationship with our Creator, Jesus Christ. King David wrote this in the Psalms. He says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. See, the treasure of the kingdom and the king brings joy, and joy that will never spoil or fade. When I was 19 years old, I lived an incredibly selfish life. My life was all about me. What's in it for me? What felt good to me? What would benefit me? And while there were moments of contentment and happiness, there was an underlying current of despair and purposelessness running through my life. Looking back with hindsight, I can see the damage that my choices were doing to the important people in my life. I could see the negativity that was building up within me. And I could see the tra trajectory that my life was heading towards if something hadn't changed. But then at a, at a young adult's camp that I somehow found myself on, I encountered Jesus in a powerful way. And he completely changed my life. On one of the nights of camp, the, the speaker was talking about how the, the kingdom of heaven was like an upside down kingdom. That in order to live the, the kingdom life that Jesus called us to, we had to give up our own sinful motivations and desires. And that night was the first time that I fully realized that living for Jesus was worth surrendering all that I had. That night, I remember saying to Jesus, I want to make you both Savior and Lord of my life. That was the night that I found the treasure hidden 
in the field and I surrendered all that was within me so that I could take hold of that treasure that Jesus was offering. I remember that night just being overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness as I let go of the sin and the bitterness and the selfishness that I'd been holding on to. And he filled me with his goodness, his forgiveness, and his faithfulness. The king and his kingdom bring great joy, which will never spoil or fade. That first Christmas, angels announced the birth of Jesus to shepherds in the nearby field, declaring that they brought good news that will bring great joy for all the people. 2,000 years on, and Jesus is still bringing great joy today. That joy can't be broken like a cheap Christmas toy. That joy can't be ruined like an overcooked Christmas roast. When you accept Jesus into your life, he forgives you of your sin. He fills you with great joy. And that joy will one day be made complete when Jesus comes again to reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This Christmas, I want to ask you, where do you need to be filled with joy? You might feel that some of your joy has been eroded this year. COVID has a bit of a habit of doing that. We face lockdowns and border closures, and even as we, as we near the end of the year, there's much uncertainty about the future, and there's big decisions ahead for maybe even your workplace or in your family. But Jesus said towards the end of his ministry, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has triumphed over sin and death. On the cross, he took the weight of the sins of the world. And that wasn't the end of the story. He rose again on the third day and he conquered death and defeated sin. He rose triumphantly and he gives his spirit to those who believe in him so that we may know his peace. We may know his comfort. We may be filled with his joy. And that doesn't mean that it's all gonna be easy and all downhill. There will still be trouble in this world. But when we trust him, When we surrender to him, he calms the storm. He conquers our fear and he fills us with his joy. Whatever you are walking through right now, whatever is trying to steal your joy, can I encourage you to seek first the kingdom and the king? Jesus said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what will you wear. Life is more than food. And the body is more than clothes. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom and its king. The kingdom and the king are the real Christmas treasure. This treasure that is hidden but is easily found. This treasure that is priceless but comes at great cost. And this treasure that brings joy, joy that will never spoil or fade. Jesus is the real treasure this Christmas. So let me ask you, how will you treasure him this Christmas? How will you seek him? How will you give up or what will you give up to gain what he offers? And where do you need to be filled with his joy? This morning, I want to give you a really practical challenge. It's crazy to think that there is only 20 days between now and Christmas. That's right, today is the the 5th of December, and in less than three weeks, we're going to be celebrating Christmas Day. 
But over, the next, over each of the next of the 20 days between now and Christmas, I want to challenge you to carve out some time each day to seek Jesus, to give up a little part of your day, to seek first his kingdom by reading and reflecting on his word and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you with joy as you reflect on Jesus' life, his teaching, and his ministry. I'd like to invite you to join me in reading a Bible reading plan for the next 20 days through the Gospel of Luke. I've got a, a, an app on my phone called YouVersion. It's a fantastic app that allows you to, to read the Bible or listen to the Bible at any time and anywhere. And uh, it, it actually enables you to access some fantastic reading plans. And I've come across a 20-day Bible reading plan that guides you through the book of Luke. It's actually called the Upside Down Kingdom. And each day there's a devotional thought, there's some text to read through from Luke and some other scriptures, and there's some questions to read and reflect on throughout the rest of your day. So if you'd like to join with me in reading through the book of Luke this Christmas, actually sacrificing some time and just spending time in his word each and every day, I'd love to invite you to, uh, to, to join with me. It's really simple to do. You can uh, get your phone out and if you've got a QR reader or maybe your, your camera, don't use the Queensland check-in app. I've seen some people try to do that. But if you've got your camera app or a QR reader app, you can just scan the QR code on the pew in front of you. And it'll take you to a, uh, a, a menu and you can just tap on Christmas reading plan. For those joining us online, you can simply click the link in the chat and it'll take you to the same menu. And as you click on that link, it might make you download, I might suggest to you to download the YouVersion app if you don't already have it installed on your phone. If, you, if you're in that situation, go and install that app. But then scan the QR code again, go to that menu and click read uh, Christmas reading plan. And uh, that will enable you to uh, click on that link and a little image will pop up of the plan in YouVersion app. You can click start plan and then for the next 20 days, just open that YouVersion app every morning or every afternoon or on your commute and just spend some time plugging into God's Word, giving up some time, some mental energy to God and allow Him to fill you with His joy as you reflect on His Word. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got no idea what YouVersion is. You can barely take a photo on your phone. That's okay. We've actually got another option for you as well. You can grab the old school um, bookmark from our welcome desk this morning. It's a slightly different plan, but it's going to lead you through the book of Luke over the next 20 days. Brad's going to be at the welcome desk as well. If you have any questions about technical things, you want, want him to show you how to access version, you can do that. But you can grab one of these at our welcome desk as well. We'd love to invite you to get stuck into God's Word this season. I'd love to invite you to join with me to read through the book of Luke, just one chapter a day. Seek first the kingdom and its king. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click Get Connected to let us know.